Your mission statement should guide every decision that you make at work and in life. If you start to go off the path, look at your mission statement. That's going to put you back on the path. You are now tuning in to the Roughnecks Podcast with your host, Cole Nixon. Much love. One last thing before we get into today's episode. A lot of people ask how they can support the podcast. Well, I have a couple easy ways. The first way is just listen and subscribe. And another thing you can do is go follow the Roughnecks podcast on social media. We're on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, and YouTube as well. If you get something out of today's show, then do me a favor. Share it with a friend. If you really want to go above and beyond to support the podcast, then head over to roughnextpodcast.com and get you some of that merch. I appreciate all of the support, but let's get into today's episode. up everybody welcome back to another episode of the roughnecks podcast uh before we dive into today's episode i just want to remind you guys that there is a fall merch drop coming soon new merch for the roughnecks podcast is dropping on friday november 18th at 7 p.m eastern time uh be on the lookout on social media for some sneak peeks of uh the items that will be out but that merch drop is coming on friday november 18th but let's get into today's episode. And joining me today, I have Clay Garcia of Operation Impact 22. Clay, welcome to the Roughnecks podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, so just to kind of kick off the episode for the people who don't know you uh, that are listening, kind of tell people who you are and what you do. Uh, as you covered, my name is Clay Garcia. I uh, currently I, li- I live in uh, central Iowa. That's where I we moved uh, to Iowa when I was a kid, went to school here. I joined the United States Navy uh, after I graduated high school. I did five years in the Navy as a Navy hospital corpsman. I was stationed primarily on the East Coast uh, at Camp Lejeune, spent some time in Virginia. And my last tour of duty was in Keflavik, Iceland at a, at a NATO base in Iceland. Uh, Camp Lejeune, I did two deployments to Iraq. Um, my first deployment was with 1st Battalion, 2nd Marines, and my second deployment was with 2nd Battalion, 2nd Marines. I got out of the Navy, and I went to school. I went actually went to school to be a teacher. Um, my job in the Navy as a medic during Iraq was less than um, desirable. So I actually got out, and I wanted to get as far away from medicine as possible. So I, I went to school to be a teacher. It, it turned out I, I, I sucked at, at school and uh, ended up getting back into medicine. So I went back to EMT school. I'd lost my, my certification due to time. Uh, that I ultimately went into paramedic school and I got a job as a firefighter. So I still currently am a firefighter. I have now taken more of a, a desk role. So I sit behind a desk and I'm the fire marshal. So I enforce building and fire code and... That's what I do for a living. Uh, married and got three uh, three kids, three boys. 
So my my downtime at home is officiating fight club between my boys. So that uh, that's what I do. And uh, to add more onto that, uh, a few years ago, I started Operation Impact 22 due to some uh, some guys that I served with committing suicide. And I kind of uh, took a stance on on trying to help where I could. And that's where we are today. So that's the the down and dirty on on me. So. I like that you mentioned uh, school's not for everyone. Uh, it, it does happen that way. If I was not playing college football, even just at the D3 level, I would not have made it through school. There is no way in uh, college, at least. Um, yeah, school's definitely not for everyone. And I feel like they don't push the uh, the trades and all that kind of stuff, even fire like EMT, all that kind of stuff. They don't push it enough in high school because you're supposed to just go straight from high school to college. Like that's the the way to do it, but it's not necessarily the right path for every single person. Everybody has a different path and, you know, certain people are meant to go to college and yeah, uh, other people just aren't, but you know, I, uh, it, it, it's interesting. You know, when I got out kind of a funny story, the, the reason I ultimately joined the Navy was because I didn't want to take my ACTs, SATs, what, whatever they're called. Um, I didn't want to take them. You know, I did horrible in high school and largely the, I think the reason that I ultimately graduated high school was because of sports. I wrestled uh, primarily being in Iowa, you know, we kind of have to, Mm -hmm. it's our church, but um, that was kind of it. So I joined the Navy largely because I wasn't ready for college. Fast forward um, to my adult life. I I went back to school. I got my bachelor's degree, went on to get my master's degree um, because I was ready. I knew what I wanted to do. Uh, and that was be a firefighter and ultimately climb the ranks into the fire service and, and be a fire chief. So I knew what I wanted to do. And, um, I, you know, I think kids, I use the term now kids cause I'm old, but, uh, they don't know what they want to do. So, so they go into college and, and they waste tons of time and money drinking and, and, and doing that scene and, and, you know, teach his own, but you got to figure out what you want to do. And, it took me a little while to figure that out. So, oh, I look back because I went to a very expensive school, but it was because I wanted to go play football. I wasn't quite thinking about the uh, school aspect of it. Um, I mean, I ended up finishing my four years, getting my bachelor's degree, but then I get out of college with a marketing degree, and now I am working a blue collar job because that's just what I'm used to my whole life. I'm used to, you know, being outside working that kind of stuff. And that's just and like, people ask me all the time, well, aren't you going to use your degree? Aren't you going to use your degree? And I'm like, in a sense I am with the podcast. So like, it's Mm -hmm. just, I don't have a job in that sense, but I also look at, I have a job that I love to do. And I feel like that is one of the things you're not going to know that coming out of high school. I had no idea what what I wanted to do coming out of high school, but you're never going to know exactly what you want to do, but you have to try things out. You have to do things. I would have never known. I would have never started this podcast if it wasn't for college, but you never know what's going to happen. You have to try, you have to give it a chance and you never know what you're going to fall into. Yeah. I I tell people that I don't think I grew up until I was about 32, 33 years old when it all just kind of starts making sense. You know, what do you want to do when you grow up? And, you know, being a firefighter, is is an amazing job and and i'm lucky you know in the sense that i i i don't want to say i fell into it but i kind of fell into it you know and um i i'm i'm blessed in the sense that i get to i get to come to work every day and do what i do and but 
you're right, man. People don't know what they want to do. And, and really you're, you're spinning your wheels in college. My wife got a degree in something completely irrelevant to what she's doing now. And I think, uh, as a, as a, as a, as a world, we need to relook at college and how we <laughs> approach that. Cause I think it's kind of silly, you know? So. Yeah, I, I agree 100%, but I want to kind of dive into, you know, your time in the Navy first, before we go into the other stuff, but you know, you t- kind of talked about why you joined the Navy, but you know, what was that, you know, the training like for that and going through that, like is what kind of just take us through what that was like for you. Yeah. So I joined, uh, I graduated high school in Oh two. So, um, I, I went to boot camp and there really wasn't anything war really going on. You know, it, 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 the war, I remember 9-11, very clear. At the time, though, I, I don't remember it being – I was in high school, you know, as a senior, so it didn't really – the magnitude of it didn't click. And, you know, boot camp and then on to core school. Core school is really I, – I would kind of compare it to a, a nursing school, uh, you know, uh, down and dirty nursing school uh, again. And, and even then it didn't – the Iraq war wasn't kind of on people's radar. After that, I went to field med school and what field med school for a Navy corpsman is, is your, your in doc course into the Marine Corps. One of our instructors is a Marine Corps instructor and they, they teach you kind of how to be a Marine. The, the unique thing about a Navy corpsman is the Marine Corps doesn't have medical staff. So the Navy does it for them. Um, we can get into that a whole, you know, there's tons of jokes and stuff with all that kind of stuff, but it it truly is a very unique job in the, in the military, in the Navy and in the Marine Corps. I spent more time really with the Marines than I did the Navy. Um, so I went to core school, went to field med school. They kind of taught me how to, how to be a Marine, if you will. And then really they taught me more of the trauma of, of medicine. Uh, most people in the military are young, young males, so they don't have strokes. They don't have heart attacks. They're doing something stupid or it's it's a traumatic injury due to, you know, uh, a shrapnel or something along those lines. So I finished up core school. My actual first duty station was in Portsmouth, Virginia at, at the Navy, uh, the Navy Yard in, in Portsmouth in Norfolk, Virginia. At that time, the Iraq war was really picking up and taking off. So I actually got augmented uh, from the hospital, which means that they just pulled me to go to a unit that was already in Iraq. So my first deployment to Iraq was with 1st Battalion, 2nd Marines. And what was significant about 1-2 was Anazaria was the conflict that they were involved with. And I got dropped into 1-2 three or four days after that conflict. So I learned how to play spades and, and I read. That was the extent um, I spent seven months riding around in a seven ton with a bunch of Marine Corps cooks. So that was my first deployment to Iraq. Um, I'm, a, I'm a spades connoisseur now uh, because, of, because of Iraq and, and that. And so I finished up that deployment, went back to Virginia. Uh, the war really amped up more and more. I got augmented again this time with Tutu. So we did some workups uh, in California and, and Camp Lejeune. And then that particular deployment was during the uh, 
the Fallujah situation. So I was with Tutu during the assault on Fallujah and that um, whole thing. Did my time with them during that. And then again, when I got out or when I got back to the States from that deployment, the Navy kind of, I think, felt bad for me. So they sent me to Iceland to ride out my last year. And then I got done with Iceland and I ran from the military. I wanted, uh, you know, to, to get away as far as I could. So I wanted to, you know, I haven't even said it yet, but I wanted to also say thank you for your service. I, we do, you know, people do truly appreciate it. I feel like it's something that's not said enough in today's world anymore, but I truly do appreciate you for your service and everything that you've done. Yeah. Thank you. So, uh, we'll just jump into it now with the uh, Operation Impact 22. I wanted to, you know, ask, well, why did it start? Like, where was, you know, the thought process? You kind of already touched on it a little bit, but kind of take take us through the process of why you started it and, uh, you know, like what, what it, first off, tell us what it is and then tell us why it started. So, uh, Operation Impact 22, uh, we're a nonprofit, 501c3, and, and really we deal with, with veteran and first responder mental health and wellness. Um, so now rewind. Um, so when I was deployed with Tutu, the time I spent with Tutu, we've had a significant number of suicides with, with Marines that, that I served with. We lost a lot of guys in Fallujah, some close friends of mine. Um, so, you know, fast forward, we went through this, hell of an experience in Iraq. And now we come back to the United States and we've got guys killing themselves left and right at an alarming rate. So I lost a few guys that I served with. And then um, around 2019 timeframe, I got a phone call from a buddy of mine that I served with that told me that my commanding officer who I served with in 2-2, Captain Bearstow was his name, had committed suicide. I re so Captain Barristow, the only real interaction I had with that guy was he got blown up by a, a mortar and I and I helped him. It mangled him up pretty good. And and I remember, you know, that incident with him pretty, pretty, pretty vividly. Um, but other than that, I didn't you know, he was my CEO, so I didn't really have much um, communication with him, you know, but I got the phone call. From a Marine buddy of mine, that captain had, had committed suicide. And I tell you what, it broke my heart. Um, I've been a, I've been in the firefighter world, the EMS world, the military world for almost 20 years now. So I've seen things, I, I've done things, you know, but this one truly broke my heart. Um, we deal with that stuff in my daily job now as a firefighter, but this one hurt, right? And I think... Captain Barristow was was truly the the poster child of the Marine Corps. If you looked up the Marine Corps, he is it. He is he is the decorated man that is the Marine Corps. And he was fighting something that none of us could truly wrap our head around. And he ultimately didn't want to do it anymore. So it 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 broke my heart. So I was talking with some of my Marine buddies and and being from Iowa, I could tell it was hurting them a little bit. So I said, why don't you guys come hunting? You know, I, I can't offer much of anything, um, but come to Iowa and come hunting. So over that course of the year, we had a couple um, 
Marine buddies of mine come out pheasant hunted and, and it was just a great time. And, and I, and I kind of seen something like maybe I have something to offer these guys. I'm not, I'm not an intelligent guy. I, I'm not funny. I'm not none of these things, but I can come, you know, come hunting with me. So we sat in the shop and we drank beer for a couple of days. Um, I don't think we hunted a whole hell of a lot, but we sat around and we shot the shit and it was awesome. We had an amazing time. And, and I thought, you know, maybe I could offer this to more people. So my wife, she watches a lot of <clears throat> stupid TV shows at nighttime. So I got on the internet and I figured out how, how could I, how can I start a nonprofit? So I filled out some paperwork and I'll be damned. A couple of weeks later, I got a letter in the mail from the IRS that said, you've been approved as a 501c3. So I thought, well, shit, now what? Uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing, you know? So I got some guys together and we started Operation Impact 22. And, and really the, the, the foundation of what we do is, is mental health and wellness of, of veterans and first responders. So we're not a hunting organization. We're a mental health and wellness organization, but we really use the outdoors. If it be a hunting, fishing, uh, Memorial Day events, golf outings, we use those as avenues to get guys together. We drink beer uh, and, and we just sit around and, and shoot the shit. We try to build uh, a relationship, a bond with these guys and gals. So in the event, you know, at some point, if they need our help, then, then we're there to help them. So that kind of snowballed into, you know, getting the word out a little bit. And, and we work with some great outfitters. We work with a lot of dynamite landowners here in Iowa, uh, landowners in Oklahoma, outfitters in Florida, and we just take guys out hunting, fishing, so on and so forth. The situation with Captain Bearstow, on the surface, this guy, again, was the poster child for the Marine Corps, but inside he was he was suffering, you know, and again, that broke my heart so bad. So really what our hope is, is if you're going through something, I want you to come on a hunt with us. Um, you know, if I could bring a smile to your face for an hour sitting in a duck blind, mission accomplished. That's that's what we're aiming for. And if I can get you over, you know, over a hump in terms of your wellness or your mental health, all the better. But the goal is just just to be there for guys and gals. And if you're going through something, um, you know, now you have my number. You have what we do. We host these events all the time. Give us a call and let's go shoot at some ducks or something, you know. So that's that's really what we do. Um, you know, when we put our hunts out, we don't ask if you've got issues, you know, just come. You know, if, if we're sitting around a campfire drinking a beer and and something gets said and we start talking about some deep shit, then then so be it. That's that's what we want, you know. But if that doesn't happen and and Again, we're sitting around a campfire and laughing and, and joking. Mission accomplished. That's what we that's what we aim for. You mentioned, you know, like that first time, you, you know, drinking beer in the shop and just shooting the shit. And in reality, like I, it like made me think of times where myself, like, you know, I just had a bad day or, you know, it wasn't anything like obviously what you guys go through, what other people have gone through. But, it you know, it's just one of those times. And like my buddy, my best friend lived literally right around the corner on the street. 
he used to always come over and like we just sit there up in the barn drink beer and then all of a sudden like i realized i was like i, I it wasn't as bad as the day as i thought yeah. but sometimes those conversations like just shooting the shit being around people who are like-minded who truly do care it, like if there is an issue that you can just talk and mm-hmm. not feel like anything negatively about like you know you can't you don't feel bad about yourself or you know think whatever of yourself just for saying it it's just sometimes shooting a shit is all you got to do the hunting yeah. is definitely an added bonus but mm-hmm. it's yeah. just the the talking and like organizations like this it's just, just the talking being able to, to speak your mind is something that is very big and i mean honestly being a hunter and understanding that as well some of my favorite times to myself are out in the woods some of my favorite times with my dad with my brother mm-hmm. with like any buddies or whatever are hunting and doing fishing and doing it's just their memories and their things that kind of do help you get over that hump now i haven't experienced the hump like other people have experienced luckily knock on wood i i i truly am grateful for that and i couldn't I truly can't understand what other people have gone through, but, you know, to see people that can go out and hunt and, you know, just be in a tree stand or just have, be out on the water and fishing, whatever it is, the outdoors can do something mentally to you. That is insane. Absolutely. I I laugh all the time. So over the years, you know, with, with operation impact, I enjoy taking people out hunting now. You know, I've been fortunate in, in my life to, to hunt a, a great deal amount. So I enjoy that. But I enjoy filming now. I enjoy capturing that moment um, that, that somebody gets to, to harvest a deer or a kid um, or, or whatever the case is. But w- one of the moments that I truly enjoy the most is when you get a bunch of Marine vets or, or these alpha army dudes. And they miss that to me, people start making fun of each other and the mood just gets lifted. You know, the, the value that we get to see in a miss is hilarious. And, and I tell people, if I film it and and I film you missing, I'm publishing it, you know, it's getting put in the video, but it's, it's not about the hunt, you know, the hunt, the kill is always a bonus, but it's, it's about just getting outside and, I, I've, I've over the past couple of years, I've done some public speaking in terms of mental health and stuff like that. And and I always tell people, you know, when it comes to the mental health world of, of beer, you know, I drink beer, we drink beer, but it's therapeutic, you know, and I don't advocate for people to, to go out and, and drink in that sense. But we get a lot of shit accomplished in a shop drinking a beer. And, and I've I've heard I've heard people open up. And I've heard some dark shit come out, but it, you know, that's what we're here for. And, and people got to get that stuff off their chest. And it's just a, an avenue that we've chosen to, to kind of pursue. And, and I think it works, you know, so we'll keep doing it. One of the big things that you've already, you know, that we've been talking about is mental health. And, you know, I wanted to ask you, you know, somebody who has done some public speaking with it as well. Are there, signs to look for in your opinion like i know sometimes you can't necessarily tell but then sometimes you realize them after the fact so what is your opinion like are there signs that you can look for in someone who is struggling who is going through a hard time and somebody that might need help man i tell you it's it's hard it's it's difficult and and being a firefighter it's even more difficult because 
I've never met people in a profession that will put their their own mental health, their own marriage, their finances. They'll put all of this stuff in the back seat to help somebody else. We will drop anything that we're doing to go help somebody in a time of crisis, even though we're hurting, if that makes sense. So we'll put one hell of a mask on just so we can go help somebody. And and that's something that I, I really try to focus on when I when I talk with people is the wellness side. Let's take care of you as a whole. And, and when I talk about that, everybody needs help, period, across the board. If you're married, you can't tell me that you're the best husband, the best wife. If you've got a boyfriend or a girlfriend, are you the best boyfriend or girlfriend that you possibly can be? Are you a father, a mother? Are you the best dad that you can be? Finances. Are your finances squared away? Here's where it's all, they're all small pieces to a big ass puzzle and it's a complicated puzzle. But if we can start putting those pieces together, it makes you, it makes you feel better. So, you know, I think when it comes to, you know, your larger depression and all that, you know, there's, there's that stuff, but working in the fire service, it's difficult because we're the best people to put on a front. And, and we do not want people to show it because we're too busy helping people. It's the only service that I'm aware of that that is truly one of the most selfless service, you know, outside of the military and law enforcement. But they put a hell of a front on because they feel such an obligation to the public to help them. And they'll sacrifice a marriage. They'll sacrifice finances. They'll sacrifice their own mental health just to go help somebody. So. It's hard. Uh, so I don't know if I really have an answer to your question. We just, and that's an approach that we at the fire department have taken over the past couple of years. Our, our fire department, we require every firefighter to go talk to a mental health provider for an hour every year, which is a pretty monumental step in the fire service. But that's our approach to combat the, the mask that people put on because we do a damn good job of covering this stuff up. So when we implemented this program, we, we really thought that everybody could use help. It doesn't matter if it's severe in terms of depression or suicide, or if it's you need some help with finances or, or being better communicator with your significant other. So that mask is real and we do a damn good job of covering it up because it's mental health, man. You know, we don't want we don't want people to think of us different. I'm a firefighter. I can't have somebody look at me, you know, different, but we're trying to change the way that we view that kind of stuff. And so everybody gets help and it's one way we're fighting it. So I really like the whole thing about, you know, once a year going to see a mental health per, uh, whatever you specialist or whatever it's mm -hmm. called, but you know, that's, I'm a, is that, that's not like a, a nationwide thing that's just your department i mean I'm, I'm sure there's other departments but there's probably not very many departments and some might say once a year probably isn't even enough necessarily now yeah. they might go more on their own time you know for the people who are struggling but that is a very big step because you might not realize you're struggling like some people don't want to admit it but like being I want to, I don't want to use the word forced, but like, it's something that you have to do in a way. And then when you go do it, it might be, you know, 
therapeutic. It might be something mm-hmm. that you needed and you didn't realize. And yeah. a lot of us, especially being males, we're, we're, not, we're not ones that want to admit that we're struggling and we're having a hard time. It is one of the hardest things for us to do, I feel like. But yeah. when we finally do, like, I'll, I'll never forget my buddy prying and prying, like, what's going on? What's going on? Like, he just knew. But then, like, when I finally told him, it's like, man, I feel good. But it's hard for a guy, like a male, to open up and be, you know, mm-hmm. you know, people want to say soft and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But it's not necessarily soft. Sometimes you just have to take the help and use the help that you have at hand. Yeah. So years ago, when I, I was looking into some statistics, I, I love data. You know, I, I like statistics and all this kind of stuff. But there was a study done by Johns Hopkins University that. 25% of adults over the age of 18 suffer from a diagnosable mental condition, a di- diagnosable mental disorder. So that's 25%. That's that's an alarming number. But what about everybody else? That was what I would that that was what really kind of piqued my interest was what about everybody else? So let's say that you're your finances are, are a complete wreck. You're living paycheck to paycheck. You, you don't have enough money to pay your mortgage or your rent or your utilities. And now you get laid off of work. What do you think? Do you think you're more likely to commit suicide now? Well, absolutely. What about, you know, if, if you're in, say you have an aging parent, you know, and now you get laid off of work. Or let's say you've got a child that has some some medical conditions and now you're having a trouble with your significant other. So this was my kind of thing. Like all of these things are compounding for people. So what if we start isolating these problems and fixing them? How are we going to fix these problems for operation impact 22? The way that we fix them is I don't want to know your problem. Just come on a hunt with us. I like to reference the raising your hand. I don't want you to raise your hand. If I said, Cole, are you have any, you have any problems? You're not going to raise your hand. Now, if I said, Cole, you're required to to go talk to a mental health doctor. We don't use those words so harshly, but you're required to go, period. Don't ask questions. See it at the doc's office at nine o'clock tomorrow. Say year one, you say nothing. Say year two, you open up a little bit, but say year three, you get, you know, well, yeah, I'm having a hard time communicating with my wife. Let's work on it. That's what we're going to work on. So that was the idea of not having you raise your hand. But going to the 75%, everybody has something that they can work on, period. Uh, you're not going to convince me otherwise. Um, so so those are the kinds of things that we want to focus on is, again, do you have a will? Do you have a power of attorney? Are your, you know, Do you need help with your organizing some finances? That's what our, our program at the fire department as well as what we do with Operation Impact. Those are the kind of things we want to help. If we can lessen your burden, I think you're going to be better off. And that's why we blanket treat kind of everybody. Um, We have a department, a pretty good-sized department. I know for a fact there's somebody on our department that needs help, period. Statistically speaking, more than one needs help, and we're going to get them their help, period. And we're all going to go to help that one person. That's awesome. Like one of the things about you, you know, we've only been talking, I guess we have been talking for a half hour now, but you know, this is our first time talking like person in person, virtually, whatever you want to call it. But you're one of those people that like sees a problem and let's fix it. 
there's a solution to every problem. And I give you a lot of credit because, you know, you found a solution to a lot of not maybe not like the the key solution that solves everything, Mm -hmm. but like it is a step in the right direction. And I give you a lot of credit for that because, you know, and that makes sense now because I want one of the things that I wrote down that I wanted to talk about was like when I read through, you know, on the website, it says our mission, our vision on core values. It was like, man, like this is like the kind of stuff that like I remember being in a business class in college and like looking at like this is the kind of stuff that it, it like your, your your mission, your vision. It's very clear and it's concise. Like it, it, it is what you you have a clear mission and that is the biggest thing. And I don't care if you have a business. I don't care if you're, you know, you work for a corporate, you have a vision, you have a mission in yourself. You need to find what that is. Sometimes that's a hard thing to think about. Like, we, I feel like we don't, not a hard thing to think about. I feel like we don't think about it. But when you actually sit down and think about like, why am I doing what I'm doing? Like, you know, you see all these people that are mad about their job, mad about whatever, like don't like their job, like figure it out, find what you love to do yeah. and work towards that. You know, I'm the, it's not going to happen in yeah. a day. Rome wasn't built in a day, but you have to take the steps to get there. I could I could go on for for hours on the idea and the and the 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 a mission statement. To me, a mission statement is who you are. Um, you know, and and honestly, I I think why why is the veteran community so susceptible to suicide? I, my theory is the day you show up to boot camp, you are pounded a mission statement, a mission statement that you believe in so much that you'll die for it. And you won't ask a question. The buddy to my left, the buddy to my right, they'll die for it with me for our mission statement. The day you EAS out of the service. Now what? We just took that mission statement from you. So now what? You don't have a mission statement. I talk talk to a lot of guys that are struggling and I ask them, what's your mission statement? What is your personal mission statement? They don't have an answer for me. I had a police chief years ago that told me your mission statement should guide every decision that you make at work and in life. If you start to go off the path, look at your mission statement. That's going to put you back on the path. I had a, I had one of our lieutenants today ask me a question and I said, does that fall in line with our mission statement? It does. And I said, well, then then do it. That, that That's simple. But where people miss the mark is they don't have a mission statement. Sit down. I challenge every single person to sit down and write down a mission statement. It, it's truly going to open your eyes to what's important to you. You know, if you're married, mine, I have a mission statement. Mine includes my wife. It includes my children. It includes my work. These are what's important to me. So if I start straying off my path, I look back at the mission statement. All of our board members in Operation Impact 22, I've made it very clear with everybody, if we start veering away from our mission statement, I'm done. I I don't want to be a part of this organization. Our mission statement is very important to me. From From our Operation Impact 22 standpoint, from our fire department standpoint, and me personally. I don't think people put enough time and focus into their own personal mission statements. That Sorry. was one of the, I could talk about that for hours, but no, I, I agree because that was one of the pieces of advice that like, I remember being in a college class, it was my entrepreneurship uh, professor. And he was like telling me like, you know, we were doing a mission, like we were talking about mission statements for 
the company that we were fake making. And, you yeah. know, it was, he was like, but he also said like, you know, you need to have a mission statement in life. Like, absolutely. Think about it because like in the thing that you talked about, you know, your wife, your kids, that's the other thing, your mission statement. And it's somewhere, I feel like you need to put it somewhere where you might look at it. You don't have to look at it necessarily every day. It's important to remember, but it's somewhere where you'll see it from time to time to remember why you like, why you're living in a way. But why am I here? Yeah. But like, you know, the things that you mentioned, you know, your wife, your kids, that that mission statement can change over Absolutely. time. And it should change. It yes. should change as you grow. And, and and as you mature, as you as you start a podcast, you know, you're, you're passionate about your podcast. Your mission statement should include that, you know, mm-hmm. and, and staying true to those mission statements. Man, I just I think if you if you. If you have a clear mission statement and, and 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 things start to go a little bit haywire for you, come back to it. It'll put you right back on the path. And and there's some dark times that might be ahead of you, but stay true to your mission statement. And and it's gonna take you far. And and again, I I, I wish I could probably show you my pages and pages, but cross stuff out. You know, mm-hmm. if someday my job isn't as important to me, cross it out. Replace it with something else, but write it down and stay true to it. Exactly. I really like that. I, I mean, it's, I never thought I'd get in a deep conversation about a mission statement, but I'm, I'm very I it, glad that I am. I, I, love, I love it. it. Um, kind of going more into Operation Impact 22 a, a little bit, you know, one of the, the, re, the way I found you actually was, you know, cause I'm from Ohio, so I'm a little bit further away from where you're at. Um, but the way I found you was actually Midwest Whitetail. I saw you guys did a little collab with them. So kind of take me through how that happened and what that experience was like as well. And for anybody who is a whitetail hunter and you don't know who Midwest Whitetail is, you probably should go check it out. So I got in contact with with <clears throat> with Lee with Midwest Whitetail. And he, you know, he comes from a solid his dad was a vet. His dad um I believe still as a senator uh, or, or still, you know, recently got maybe out of that. But he wanted to start helping some some vets and, and, and really giving back to the veteran community. Lee is a, an, a stand up guy and, and, I, and I love the guy to death, but he wanted to help. So we got hooked up with them. They, they host a, a deer hunt for us every year and a turkey hunt for us every year. Uh, last year, I think we had over 200 applicants apply for our our hunt and through the state of Iowa, the, our uh, department of natural, our DNR, uh, we can get a non-resident disabled vet tag. So if you have a a military service connected disability of 30% or more, we can get a special tag for you. And that's why we're able to bring uh, a vet from outside of Iowa and you not have to put in for the draw. So we got hooked up with them. They started hosting a, a disabled vet so we fly in a vet uh, that we that we pick. It's an all inclusive. We hunt Midwest Whitetail's property. We hunt with um, Max. Max has been our kind of our our go to guy. He he's kind of the guy that's um, started out. Still does most of our filming on our Midwest Whitetail hunts. But I, I've again I can't speak highly enough of of everybody at Midwest Whitetail. Uh, with Max Grant helps us out. Lee stand up guy. All of them are just absolutely amazing to us. And not to mention, we get to hunt arguably some of the best whitetail hunting in the state of Iowa. So 
I love those guys. I look forward to that hunt every year. And, and I look forward to sharing that with, with people that, that don't get to hunt deer, let alone world-class deer. So. Yeah. The deer that they, you know, they shoot, those guys shoot every year are just insane. You know, I'm over in Ohio. We have some nice bucks. We do have like people who take down some nice whitetails, but you know, there's, I don't know if there's necessarily debate sometimes. I don't, I don't, I'm not avid into that part, but like, you know, with the Iowa versus Ohio and there's other States mixed into that as well, but Mm -hmm. definitely some of the top States to kill some nice whitetails. Um, but you know, you guys, you talked a little bit about, you know, the land, being able to hunt their land for those hunts. How do you guys come across, you know, get the land to hunt for your own person, like your, not your personal hunts, but you know, with uh, the operation impact, the other hunts. So uh, another kind of thing that I've realized through operation impact 22 is, is if you have, if you, if you have a, a cause that somebody believes in, they want to help people are, they're, they're good. You know, we, we've, we've got so many good people out there and, and mental health is a cause that people can get behind. Um, being a hunter, you know, that property is not something that people take lightly, you know, mm-hmm. for, for you as a, unless it's a family farm, not many people will just open, open arms and let you come hunt their ground. But our cause speaks to people and, and they see what we do and they see the, the, the benefits of, of, of us trying to help and who we're helping. So mostly are just private landowners. They'll, they'll get in contact with me or one of our board members and, Hey, I've got a couple hundred acres here. I'd like to host a hunt. Awesome. We'll, we'll, we'll get a vet or a first responder or somebody in. Um, but again, they, they agree with our mission statement and, and they want to help us. So primarily, that's uh, that's how we do a lot of our hunts here in Iowa. We work with some amazing outfitters um, outside of Iowa, an alligator, the gator man down in Florida and a guy named Chase Butler in Oklahoma. They're just stand up guys that that want to help and and they they believe in what we're doing and and they kind of facilitate a lot of the hunts and fishing trips for us. And we're lucky we we work with some great people. How many hunts do you, or like hunts and fishing trips do you guys do a year usually? It's hard to say. Uh, you know, every year we've been growing, but this year deer hunts alone, we're probably going to do about 10 this year. And handful waterfowl hunts, pheasant hunts. That's kind of my, you know, I grew up pheasant hunting. That's the places that we hunt in, in Northwest Iowa. I hunt with a real good friend of mine and, and we we hunt up there, but. I was going to ask you what your 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 personal favorite like type of hunting. Yeah, uh, pheasant hunting is still my 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 go to, and I enjoy that probably more than about anything anymore. But yeah, so roughly ten deer hunts this year. We we've got another phenomenal opportunity. We're going to do a deer hunt in Missouri this year, which is going to be a awesome hunt for us. Um, but again, people believe in our cause and they believe in our mission. And, and they want to help. How do you, how do you guys, you know, get people for these hunts? You know, is there like how, if somebody listening wants to be a part of one of your hunts, how does that happen? 
So we'll mostly post them on Facebook. Um, and then most of the time we're, we'll post the application on our website. So either Facebook, Instagram, and then we'll try to send them over to our website. But I, I would say that mostly, I'll be honest, uh, the social media stuff for us is not, I don't know, not good at it, right? So <laughs> it's a little tricky, but mostly that's what we'll do is we'll put them out on Facebook and Instagram and stuff like that and then send them over to our website. Sometimes, depending on how how much time we have to fill it, um, sometimes if, if we've got somebody that says, hey, I got a, I got a Missouri snow goose hunt in two weeks, we'll put it out on Facebook and sometimes we'll just have them comment um, or sometimes we'll have them go through kind of an application process. Um, but we take what we can get and, and we try to fill it with deserving vets, deserving police officers, firefighters, kids. Uh, we really got into the kid hunts, youth hunts uh, a couple years ago. And, and I, I love doing those. Um, there's nothing like seeing uh, a 10 year old kid holding this tiny little deer, you know, with the biggest smile on his face and dad's in the background crying, you know, and, and it's just, it's a, it'll, it'll tug at your heartstrings, you know, and that's what we, that's what we strive for. That first deer I ever killed, I'll never forget. I think my dad was way more excited than I was. Shaking. But it was, yeah. <laughs> it was like now looking back, I'm like, man, like, you know, now that I've got a little older and, you know, been through it a little bit, like some more times, it's like, man, like it, it is such a cool experience. And like, you know, also like watching, I, you know, I don't have any kids or anything at the moment, but like watching, being able to watch someone like your son, your daughter, whatever it is, knock down that first deer. And like, you know, just, it doesn't matter how big that deer is. And that's the no, thing is like, it doesn't matter. People I, like, I follow a few pages on Facebook, like the central Ohio hunting and like those type of pages. And like, sometimes it's like people will post a small deer and you'll have a few of those comments that are like, oh, that you should have let it go another year or whatever. And it's like, who cares? You don't yeah. know if that's that person's first deer. You don't know it. What, no. you know, my dad shot a tiny little eight point couple years ago the year i shot you know my buck that's actually hanging right here beside me um you know and it was i was so happy for him because i was like it's been eight years he's gone through an eight-year drought of not getting a deer but he mm -hmm. he, he finally got to the point where he's like you know what when i see something walk through it's good i'm knocking I'm it down it's, it's happening it. like i need yeah. to get back to it and but like his you know the smile on his face when he took that picture after he shot that deer and it's like he's genuinely happy like i feel like mm -hmm. his smile is bigger than when he shot his biggest buck that he's got on the wall because yeah. of the fact that like he's back like he finally feels that sense and it, it, it is it is a chase people call it a chase because it is a chase you mm -hmm. you don't people don't shoot big bucks on pure luck now, yep. granted, during the rut or whatever, you get you get those bucks that just come through and you just happen to be in the right place. But you have to put in the time. You have to be in the stand. You have yep. to be wherever. It's a lot of work. And I don't think people understand that. Uh, I had to I had to have a talk with my sister, actually, because last year she was like, I want to go out. You know, I've she's been good with her crossbow. She wants she's like, I finally got some time away from the kids so now i can go out this you know this saturday morning because i told her i was like this saturday would be a, a good day to go out and we went out and she ends up shooting a nine pointer 
And she called like, she, after she missed a doe and scared away three other does because they jumped the fence right beside her. And I was like, I don't even know how you got this lucky with scaring that many girls. <laughs> but this, you know, this nine point walkthrough, she sh- shot it. She calls me because I could hear, I was close enough in another stand that I heard her crossbow go off. And I said, Did you shoot? And she said, Yeah, I hit one. And I walked over and she was out for two hours after scaring away a bunch of deer. And after being actually after being late getting there, so we got out into the stands way later than I would prefer, like almost sunlight, like legal mm-hmm. shooting time. And we we got out there, and then she, I had to have a talk with her. I was like, "Listen, it's not always that easy. They don't always right. just come straight into right. you." Like, I was like, "If you want to go out and then again this year, you might not even see anything. You never know." But right. that's the that's the thrill of it too. Is yeah. you never know what is going to come through. Yeah. Uh, I think last year, the year before, there's a video on on our Facebook page. It's Mark's story. We we took his son out pheasant hunting, and his son had never killed a pheasant before. And we had probably four cameras on his son. The dog went on point. He had a GoPro. I think there was a drone in the air. We had everything just picture perfect. He puts the bird down, and I run over and grab the pheasant, and I hand it to him, and he's holding his gun, shaking. And he pulls a bullet out of his out of his vest and, and he drops it. And he said, Clay, I can't even load my gun. I'm shaking so bad. And I tell you, man, it about brought a tear to my eye. That we talk a lot about the essence of hunting. That is the essence of hunting. We forget sometimes of what hunting truly is, you know, with all this commercialization of of hunting with with money and you know, and and that, and that's what I like about Midwest Whitetail. You know, they're, they're a big group of guys, they're professional hunters, but they, they take care of us. And, and for us, it's the essence of hunting. And, and, and I don't ever want to lose that because that to me is a a special, special thing, you know, and uh, I'll never take that for granted. That's for sure. That's awesome. One of the, like, you know, just for someone to realize too, like there is something there, there is a point where, you know, you have to you can't get too far ahead of yourself and what the organization is and, you know, get overwhelmed and think about, Oh, I want like, yeah, we all want it to grow. We all want it to be this. But when you start to lose sense of why you're your mission statement, why you're doing mm-hmm. what you're doing, why like you're, you're, it can't be your personal gain, especially with a 501 C like it cannot be for personal gain. It has no. to be for others. Yeah. And, and, and that's, again, that's our mission statement. You know, we, we, I will never lose track and, and, and we won't, you know, and we're going to continue the, the essence of hunting and we're going to, we're going to, we're going to help the guys and gals that need help. And as long as I think it's working, we're going to keep trying. One of the final questions I want to ask you about operation impact is, I guess it's probably not the final question, but um, you know, your core values are duty service and commitment. I wanted to ask you why you guys chose that and like what it means to you exactly. Uh, You know, duty is important. You know, uh, the past 20 years I've, I've really dedicated uh, the majority of that, the better part of my life to, to serving other people. And I think that that's important to me when you can start looking at how can I help others? I think you as a as a as a, a human being, it changes the way you think, you know, and I think that's when children. You know, that's when parents, their their mind changes. Of I, I care more about this 
this baby than I do myself. So I think duty is important, um, largely because of that. And service, when you can help, you should help. We as, as human beings, uh, that that's important to me. And, and that's uh, something that always kind of keeps me going is I, I'm lucky to be able to help and, and, I, and I'm going to continue to help. But again, those, those are important to me. And I think as it falls in line with our mission statement and, and we're going to, we'll keep, keep chugging along and, and following those. Finally, how can people help your organization from the outside? If they're not somebody that's going to come hunt or, you know, if they just want to help your organization, how can people do that? So uh, the, the biggest thing is, 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 is donations. You know, um, a lot of the stuff that we do, nobody in our organization gets paid. So every dollar goes towards our, our wellness programs, our, our hunts, our trips, our fishing trips, all of that stuff. So, you know, it, it, to some extent, Operation Impact, it, 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 it is, it's me, you know, and, and I, I never, I never want to chase money, but everything costs money, you know, so, especially you know, we do hunting, a great job. costs some money. Yeah. So, you know, uh, if we bring a guy in from Texas to come hunt late muzzleloader in January in Iowa, he's going to freeze his ass off. So we try to get him a coat, you know, but, uh, uh, really that's, that's really what we try to do is, is, you know, we try to raise money and we try to raise money the right way. Um, we, we, we hold a banquet. Um, we try to get everybody together for a good evening and, and raise some money. But really, uh, if, if you, if you believe in our cause and, and what we do, um, I encourage people to, to donate money, you know, and, and, and again, it goes back to a cause, uh, and, and we're fortunate to have people that believe in our cause. So um, I know you said I couldn't if they couldn't come hunting, but that's more really what I, I want from people is is to come hunting, you know, because that's that's the basis. That's the foundation of what we do. And, and if you need us, we're here. But uh, if you're not going to come on a hunt and you believe what we what we do, what our cause is, is is is. We'll, we'll, we'll take your money and we'll put it to good use. That I can promise you. If you could give one piece of advice to somebody who's about to, like thinking about starting a 501c3, like what would it be? Do it. Uh, we talked about it earlier. Um, I think in the, in the climate that we live in, people talk and that's what people do. I'm a believer in doing. If, if you have a cause that you believe in, if you've got a dream such as running a podcast, you know, if you, I'm talking to the next Joe Rogan, right? Follow your dreams and just do it, man. We, we sit, we sit around and we talk, we, we dream, get your boots on the ground and do it. If you want something bad enough, you'll get out there and do it. And, and it takes a little bit of, it takes some courage. It, it, it takes, there's a risk. There's all of that, but just do it, man. You only live once. I know that's cliche as all hell, but get out and do it, man. I believe in this cause. I love being a firefighter. If I can help, do it. Where there's a will, there's a way. I like that a lot. Just do it. Because like that's the thing is I've talked about on this podcast before. Sometimes all it takes is just starting. You just have to start. 
You never know what's going to happen. Or you could be worried about this. You could be worried about that. But if you don't start, you're never going to know the yeah. outcome. You have to give it a shot. It might fail. But in every failure, and every failure is an opportunity to learn and grow. Like you don't, there is no such, there's <laughs> guidelines to the, or boundaries to this, but there is not necessarily such a thing as a failure. If you take it as a learning experience. I, I could, I could probably talk another hour or two on the word failure. The word failure to me is a, is a, a fascinating term. It's never a failure. If you try to do something and you miss your mark, re-aim and shoot again. You know your failure is giving up. I love David Goggins. That guy's a psycho, man. He, he will never not. fail because he won't give up. He will not let himself fail. Where you fail is by giving up. You miss your mark, readjust and shoot again. That it's it's simple, man. And and. I think the beauty in, in all of this is it simple. Life is simple, man. You know, enjoy it. Smile. Do shit that's fun. But to me, it's simple. Life is simple. And I feel like your own personal, like you're the, we're the ones that make it complicated when it doesn't need to be. Absolutely. And we're all guilty. Every single person is guilt, guilty of this. It happens. Yeah. But sometimes you have to take a step back, maybe look at that mission statement and realize it is not that complex. Tear it up. We, just need to slow we, down. We, we let we let the noise get to us. We let somebody from another state on Instagram said something about your shirt. Who cares? You know that Don't you've never met your entire you. life either. It's you can't easy. get caught up in social media. We've uh, it's been talked about so many times on this podcast because social media is just a highlight reel of somebody's life. And sometimes it's yep. the mask. It's not true. It like, yep. yeah, all right, they have this fancy car, but you don't see that they are literally broke now after that car or whatever. Yep. Like there is so many other circumstances that you just truly don't see. So we can't yep. you know, you you talked about how you guys aren't great on social media, but that's not necessarily a bad thing either, yeah. because obviously this is an organization that is doing well. It's it's doing all like it's an awesome organization doing well because there is a awesome cause behind it. But like the social media thing, sometimes like anymore today, I feel like you look at even on Instagram, I see them, they, these posts or whatever. And it's like, quit scrolling like these these things talking about quit scrolling, quit looking so much into social media, like turn Instagram off by mm -hmm. nine o'clock, whatever it is. Sometimes when you do that, you realize like, Man, I pay more attention to my girlfriend. I pay more attention to my kids. I pay more attention to whatever it is. Yeah. Like I I have this like little routine that I do every day where you know it's reading, it's the Bible, it's uh journaling, all this kind of stuff where my phone is not a part of that. And I feel like that's very important. You need to have a time period during your day where your phone's not a part of it because our phones are Phones are starting to control a lot of people's lives. Like they can't live without them. You know, it's a an lot addiction. People, oh, it is. And that's how they, it, it is. It's sad because that's how, you know, Apple or whoever wants it to be Instagram. They want you to keep scrolling. That's why every time you go up and you refresh your feed, there's new stuff that pops up. Oh yeah. And like TikTok was the one that I feel like created this endless or truly endless scrolling because yep. you can just scroll on tiktok and you'll find a new video for days like days you never end 
on yeah. TikTok. But it's sometimes you just have to put the phone away and focus on yourself or your family or whatever it is. Yep. Absolutely agree. But we're going to move into some of the final segments of the podcast. And one of the questions that I like to ask all of my guests, and it's a very fun question for me to ask, is if you could go back in time and tell your 16-year-old self one thing, what would it be? Hmm. One thing. I would probably have to tell myself that it'll be all right. Life will be good. You know, we we get caught up in the noise. I, I've, I, I journal like you do, and a big quote, not quote, but saying on the first page is, fuck the noise. Stop worrying about what people think about you. It'll be okay. And just smile. Man, you know, so much of your, so much of our day, our, our life is, is self-inflicted. If you put a smile on your face, change your attitude, your day's getting a lot, at, a, a lot better. So it'll be okay. Fuck the noise, be you, and have fun. One of the big things with like the smile thing is something that I, an approach I've taken, you know, it's been hard getting out of bed in the morning for work or, you know, whatever it is lately for me, it's definitely been hard getting out of bed in the morning. But one of the things I've started doing before I leave the house, as soon as I like start to open that door, I literally tell myself it's going to be a good day. And it is the littlest thing, but I feel like it sets my mindset for the day. Absolutely. Of, you know what? It you could you could be driving into work going, man, I am dreading doing concrete today. Whatever it is that you have to do today, I had concrete that I we had to pour a collar around a pool, and I was definitely not looking forward to concrete day. It is one of my least favorite days. It's one of my boss's favorite days because that's another payday for uh, that's when another draw is due for the pool. But it's like, man, concrete. I don't want to do it, but I told myself today's going to be a good day. And you know what? It kind of set my tone for the day of if you just take, you tell yourself, you're going to have things that go wrong during the day. But in, the, in reality, it's a mindset. If you allow those things to ruin your whole, whole day, wh where did you get today? You didn't grow. You okay. didn't get any better. You have to take it every day. Life is short. You never know what's going to happen. So take every day as a blessing and try to grow every single day. I heard a, a short quote by Marcus Luttrell. I, I think it was on Instagram or it was about 15 seconds. And he, and he said, I was lying naked, dying in a ditch or dying in a hole. Your day isn't that bad. And I was like, shit, man, you're right. You know, perspective is a hell of a thing. If, if we can, if we can never lose sight of perspective, we've got it pretty good, you know? So I, I, I think of that quote often, you know, like you said, when, when I'm starting to kind of, become negative. This guy was naked, dying in a hole in Afghanistan. Maybe this report isn't too bad. You know, I'll finish yeah. this up and put a smile on my face. So. Uh, I wanted to ask you one more question before we go into the final segment of the podcast. But, you know, you, you mentioned that you read a lot when you, uh, this is way back from the beginning of the podcast, but you read a lot in your first uh, deployment. Kind of, do you have any books that you recommend? Or are there anything that you recommend? Because as a person who does enjoy reading, and has a lot of books behind me that I really need to get yeah. into. But do you have any books that you recommend? So I, I 
I'm a huge fan of, of I'm a 49er fan. So, so take that for what it's worth too. But there was a book that Bill Walsh and his son put together, I think shortly after Bill passed away, but it's called the score will take care of itself. And, and, and he talks a lot about uh, his, his, his principles, his, his concept of, of taking care of your people. If I, as the, the, the head coach of the San Francisco 49ers take care of my staff, the staff, will take care of the score. We will win championships. The score will take care of itself. He's got a standard standard operating procedures, you know, if you follow these rules. But I, I think everything, you know, in my, my role at the fire department, I have one job, and that's to take care of my people, period. And if I take care of my people, they'll take care of me. So uh, I, I highly recommend that book. And, um, Again, I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a fan of Jocko. So his his books to me are, are pretty um, important to me in, in the way that I, I look at leadership. But Jocko's good concept. You don't have to pour concrete. You get to pour concrete. If we can change our mindsets, we, we can we look at things different. Our mind is a powerful thing. Um, you know, David Goggins is embrace the suck. You know, if we embrace it. If we enjoy it, it doesn't suck. I know that sounds stupid, but it's a mind. It's a mind thing. Your mind's a powerful thing. Change your mindset. Good. I get to do this. So I those love are, I Jocko. Recommend those. Jocko, uh, I actually listened because we have an hour drive right now to our job site. And so I listened to a Jocko podcast today. I love Jocko's podcast. Like and his that. That dude is also nuts for the things that he does with waking up at fourth. I don't even know what time he wakes up to go work oh, out. Yeah, he's, he's an animal, but he's, uh, you know, that guy's been an inspiration to, to, to so many people for, for, for years now, not, not to mention he's a decorated Navy seal, but his, his mindset of, of how he treats people, his mindset of, of how he led, uh, is, is, is awesome. I love it, you know, and, 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 and I, I look at his good concept a lot and, and I think there's so much value in that. I don't know how I, I still have yet to read his books, but I really need to, like I have uh, my brother and all read on, like I have people that are like, you need to read them. Like, yeah. like they know that I listen to them that I really like Jocko and they're like, just, just, have you ever had the Jocko fuel? I have. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I, I have. Um, I, I wasn't a huge fan, um, and I only had it one time, so I wasn't sure if it was just a one-off deal, but uh, my wife makes fun of me. So she's, she said I got to start acting my age and stop uh, with the supplements and the psycho workouts and stuff like that. So uh, she kind of steered me away from it, but I don't uh, need to have a heart attack on it. So. <laughs> See, I was a big energy drink person, and I uh... – my brother-in-law got a bunch of Jocko fuel. I forget how he even got it, but he like came across it and it was like on sale and discounted. Like, yeah. so he got a bunch of it. And I remember him giving me some, cause he knew I, I listened. He was actually the one that introduced me to Jocko, I believe. Um, and it, it was the first time was definitely, it was like, especially being someone who used to drink energy drinks all the time. Mm -hmm. I was like, it's just not the same, but the more I drank it, the more I was like, I feel like it is better for me because there is yeah. way like it doesn't taste like a Red Bull. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, 
But I tell you though, I'm a firefighter, so I, I live on coffee. So that's uh that's no different, you know. But uh are you into the black stuff. rifle coffee? You know, I, I do enjoy black rifle coffee. We we actually when we hosted a, a hunt really early in in Operation Impact's career, if you will, I, I sent randomly, I sent him an email and said, This is what we're doing. Do you have any interest in, in hooking us up? So these guys sent us a box of of, of coffee, of, of hats, shirts. Um, so we were able to kind of always take Black Rifle Coffee with us on our hunts and stuff like that. So those guys are pretty cool to us. And, you know, as big as they are, they they still kind of look out for the small guy. So mm -hmm. they're an awesome organization as well. Yeah. Everything that they got, they've done. And I, I <laughs> I'm big on Black Rifle now. I slowly worked my way into it because it was partially at the beginning. I was like, man, I don't want to pay that much for coffee. I'd rather just pay for my my cheap stuff that I yeah. like. It still tastes fine to me. But I I've uh, worked my way. I've worked. I got the Keurig cups with the uh, Black Rifle, and then my like yeah. if I make a pot of coffee, I I use my normal coffee. Yeah, but it's good though. I, I enjoy it. But, but I, I I like what they do too. You know, I they they do a lot, and and I I'm I kind of like to support that when I can too. So that's one of the things too. Like always, you know, you talked about the cause and you get those kind of things, and you know, be a good person. Like when there's always service that is available. Like that is the minorest thing. You could just go to the grocery store, buy some Black Rifle, but that is a service to a great company. You mm -hmm. could donate five dollars to operation impact but that is a service like it, it doesn't matter what you can donate just donate what you can and it can yeah. help in the long run i agree but we're going to move into the final segment of the podcast which is motivation monday Motivation Monday is the point in the episode where I allow the guests to give the Roughnecks listeners a little inspirational bump to set their tone for the week as they listen on Monday morning. So what do you got for Motivation Monday? Boy, I had to put a little thought into this, you know, and, and I know we I rambled about my mission statement or I would have tried to throw that little spin on it. But I, my motivation for people is smile, man. You know, when you wake up Monday morning, you, you got a long, hard week ahead of you. But put a smile on your face and, and challenge yourself to change the way you think about things. But, you know, again, I think the mind is a very powerful thing. If you're smiling, smiles are contagious, too. You put a smile on your face. I think it kind of tells your brain that shit's going to be all right. And let's let's have fun doing it. You know, if you're out doing a shitty job with a smile on your face, it ain't a shitty job. So uh, I I. Again, in my journal, that's a, a large thing in there is, is smile. Don't take don't take the day for granted. Have fun while you're doing it. So I I, I personally try to use that as some some motivation for myself and uh, just smile. It'll get you far. You said smiles are contagious, but all the, the other thing to remember too, if you you know what you want to have a shitty attitude, you want to be all mad about something, that's also contagious. It's terrible. It's but terrible. I feel like a like if you're happy about something, it may take a little bit for somebody to to fall into it. Especially mm -hmm. if you're you're doing something that no one's really happy about doing. But if you know what, if you're having fun doing it, 
it makes the job so much more enjoyable, whatever it is. I don't care if it's a workout. I don't care if it's, you know, pouring concrete, you know, another example that I've brought up again, but whatever it is, if you're, if it's something that sucks, embrace the suck, embrace it, have fun with it. you got to do it no matter what. So just have fun with it and it makes it smoother, enjoyable. It, It just makes it go faster too. Yeah. Life's life's short, man. You know, we'll look back at these days and, and think, man, why didn't I smile more? Why, why didn't I eat that cake? You know, why did, why didn't I, I don't know, you know, it, it's short, man. And, and as I get older, I, I see that more, but smile, it's, it's simple. And, and it'll, I think it'll change your day around and, and it'll, it'll, if you get a new outlook on the week, you know, so. 100%. Uh, Clay, I really appreciate you coming on. Do you want to go ahead and insert your, uh, you know, your social media tags, if you know them, <laughs> um, go ahead and insert them. And I'll also put them in the episode description uh, with this episode. Yeah. The, uh, everything's pretty much Operation Impact 22. So uh, we, we try to, there's nobody out there really with those. So uh, Instagram's the same, uh, Facebook, same, uh, We've we've dabbled in the TikTok, but it I'm learning. I'm old, so forgive me. But uh, yeah, so stick with those and on your platforms, it'll get you get you where you where you want to be. I will put all of the links to the website, the social media, and everything in the episode description. So if you guys want to go uh, check those out, be sure to also support. And if you want to go for a hunt, definitely hit them up. Um, another thing is merch drop don't forget about it in november november 18th merch drop maybe one day uh we'll get a little operation impact and uh roughnecks podcast collab and put something out there but uh with that you guys know the deal until friday life is hard and is going to knock you down just like a bull does to a bull rider don't let the bull of life walk all over you get up grab the bull by the horns and take control of your life roughnecks out Thank you all for tuning in to this week's episode of the Roughnecks Podcast. If you liked today's episode, then be sure to subscribe, rate, and review, and share it with a friend if you got some value from it. Head over to social media and follow the Roughnecks Podcast on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to that YouTube channel. Don't forget to get you some of that merch by heading over to roughneckspodcast.com and subscribe to the newsletter while you're there. See you all next week. Roughnecks, out.